0: Here's a Japanese sandman Sneaking on without you Just an old second-hand man He'll buy your old days from you He will take every sorrow Of the day that is through, And he'll bring you tomorrow
1: Hello and welcome to the Good Friends of Jackson Elias, an occasional podcast about Call of Cthulhu, horror films and horror gaming in general. I'm Paul Fricker. I'm Scott Holwood, And I'm Matt Sanderson. Now on this episode we're in a different venue so you'll have to forgive us for what might be a slightly worse sound than usual.
0: Yes, it's a bit echoey in here. We're on creaky chairs and yeah, it's all just a bit weird. And
1: And very dark. Very, very dark. Subdued lighting. So today we're going to talk to Matt Sanderson about Gen Con 2014 and his experience of attending, along with how many other people? Uh,
2: Including myself, it would be 56,613 other people, me being the 14th. Wow. Up 14% from last year.
0: That's a lot of people.
2: That is a lot of people. It's doubled in the last five years.
0: Is, is most of what goes on there still role-playing related, or has this, has this spread because of board games, video games, other stuff?
2: Uh, there was an article that Kat Tobin posted up on G+, a couple of days back, that was giving an explanation as to why the numbers have gone up so much as far as they have. Um, part of it was in relation to that the Indianapolis city itself has promoted the convention a lot more over the last few years. But also with the success of the likes of other conventions like PAX East and so forth in running up to this, that gaming has become a lot more, at least in terms of the US, a lot more in the public eye. And that it seems to be on a surge with the likes of the global economy slowly getting back on its feet again. that numbers are just increasing year upon year upon year and it's seeming to be snowballing.
1: So you're saying that the fact that there's PAX East and, and other conventions is actually boosting Gen Con, because if, if Gen Con was going, numbers were going down, people would be maybe attributing that to the fact that there are lots of other conventions. It, it seems to be riding on the success of other
2: conventions, that it seems to be that the PAX East has come out, I'm, I'm not, I don't know much about it myself, it's not the, maybe not come out of the blue, but that it's definitely had such a good impact this year that a lot of other people have then started attending the convention this year. I mean, a lot of people were there for the first time this year and especially as the numbers burst. they had a weird well, at least I think it's weird I've never got my head around how to you know, work out what it actually meant they had turnstile attendance and unique attendance That because one had gone up that indicated that people when they were going to the convention were staying for the whole four days rather than just appearing for like the weekend like they maybe gotcha. traditionally did Right. so they, they are there for the long haul they're there for the entire event
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, well, I mean, that's that's really good news because my perception has been that role playing is you know very much an aging, dwindling uh, hobby, <laughs> and you know to see concrete proof like this that at least you know when it comes to conventions that is, is growing is is, is great
2: There's certainly a lot more events I think they quoted 12,000 individual ticketed events this year of which role playing games are definitely a very large section but it's not just board games there are card game tournaments, there are board games RPGs, computer games have a very small section he said somewhat thankfully because I don't do computer games mm-hmm. but everything else as long as it is a gaming related activity there is something happening at Gen Con that will
0: include it Excellent. I mean, and I mean, you may not be the right person to answer this, but from the the little bit of you know the the cross section that you saw, do people tend to go there for one kind of thing, or were people going you know and drifting between board games, larp's, role playing games, card games? Were they all inclusive gamers, or? You know, it was very balkanised,
2: right? But if, again, from from my little cross section of it, which again I emphasise very little cross section of like minuscule perc- um, decimal points and a percentage. That people seem to go there for one particular thing in mind. There, people were there that I know that were going purely into the dealers' hall to play demo board, um, board game demos. Other people turned up there purely to do role playing games. Other people were there purely
1: to man the stalls at the convention. So, I mean, in previous years, the facilities seem to have been, you know, pretty under demand. Now, with with all these additional people, is it kind of creaking at the seams? Do you feel it? Mm, it's bursting at the seams. Bursting at the seams? Yeah. The, Does it feel it? Yes. Um, it's,
2: it's a wonderful show, but my God, it's getting to the point where it's outgrowing Indianapolis. So do you think, do we think they'll be looking for a bigger venue in future years? They can't do it until at least 2021.
1: Because they're tied in with the Convention Centre until 2020. Gosh. Wow. That's 2021. Well, that's... Yeah, OK. At this rate, they'll be up to 100,000
2: by then. Yeah. Um, each year that I've been going, up, this is my fourth year of going, but it's grown at least 10% year on year on year. Wow. So in, five, in the five years, it's doubled in attendance. Hmm. Wow. OK.
0: Gosh. So, I mean, yeah, that aside... What was the convention like for you?
2: Oh, it was really good fun. The main, the main thing that makes it for me these, these days, I mean, wind back a few years, I would be saying I go to conventions for the games that I play and to, to enjoy the actual main meat of the convention itself. That's what I thought, so that's the main part that fills up a lot of the schedule, that's what I go there for. But actually, this time around, it was getting to meet all the people, meet friends that I haven't seen for a long time, catch up with people that I only see once a year. I mean, this is a place where I meet a lot of people that I used to be involved with in the LARP scenes in the States uh, back in the day, uh, meet up with the different publishers I've worked with, meet up with people, other authors that I've worked with on projects um, online that I've never seen their face,
1: uh, which, which happened once, so I was really happy to meet the guy. <laughs> yeah. That's the nice thing about conventions is when you start going, like you said, you kind of go along, you don't really know anyone, you just go and play games, but then after you've been a few times, you get to know more and more people and familiar faces.
0: Mm. Well, well, yeah, I mean, as I think I've made Mm. this point on the podcast before, role-playing is an unusual hobby from that point of view in that, you know, at a convention game you can sit down with a group of people you've never met before and, you know, three, four hours later you feel like you've shared a life experience Mm. and it's, it's one of the quickest ways of bonding with strangers I've encountered and, you know, a lot of the times the people that you meet across the table like that will become lifelong friends. Yeah,
2: or, or in my case repeat customers <laughs> I, had, I had a couple that turned up that i've played with um on games over the last so the last couple of years one that was been there for pretty much the last three years of running games
1: well I've run games for them so nice so should we start with your games how did your games go matt yeah. maybe start talking about either ones you ran or ones you played well i didn't
2: play all that much this year um i tried to get myself into a pattern for each of the days that mm-hmm. I wanted to run games in the morning, well the equivalent of a morning slot but there are no real slots at Gen Con you just mm-hmm. pick a time and run it and then people create their own schedules throughout um, I ran from 10 till 2 from Thursday, Friday, Saturday and then played every evening from 6 o'clock till whenever we dropped pretty much mm-hmm. um, they're laps. they always go on quite a while they're like 5, 6 hour games at times um, there was one instance where I broke the pattern on that, which was Friday, where I ran an extra game in the afternoon. So I was running pretty much continuously for seven and a half hours. As soon as one game stopped, I was still at the same, still at the same table and then started running the next game. Yeah. Uh, people queuing, waiting for their seats to be uh, to become open, and said, "Right, we have now finished Call of Cthulhu onto Trail of Cthulhu, and then start <laughs> running the ne- start running the next game." Um, but yeah, it was, it was a packed old schedule. The Of the games I ran, so I ran four plus an off-the-books game I ran on the Wednesday as I ran a fifth game. Um, the four main games that I advertised on the site, um, two games of Call of Cthulhu, both set in 1920s, one trail of Cthulhu game set in the Al Salvador Civil War, a lovely, happy, fun setting there, and then... One World War Cthulhu game set in Athens, or oh, not in Athens, in Greece rather.
1: Cool, and they all go yeah.
2: well. Yeah. yeah, pretty well, I thought. Yeah, so they've. I managed to get a TPK in a couple of instances, so I was quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> always makes a Cthulhu gem smile. Oh yes, <laughs> and it, including even playing the one of the LARPs we played. Um, the first larp, in fact, that was a TPK by player ineptitude. So that was always fun. That was fun to sit back and watch.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So the El Salvador one was this the first public playtest of what is actually going to end up being part of a poison tree?
2: Yes, yeah, the first public one. We've done a couple of uh, private ones so far, but yeah, this this was the first public. Um, getting a slice of what uh, the horror that is to come. Yes,
0: excellent. Yeah, I uh, don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but uh, a poison tree is uh, a campaign that we're doing for Pelgrane uh, for Trade of Cthulhu. Uh, which spans about 350 years and most of the world at some stage. And, yes, mm-hmm. this is this is a little one-shot set in the 1980s. Yes. <laughs> Good cheery stuff.
2: Yeah, lovely, happy, cheery uh, environment there. Yeah, um, Simon was pimping it at the Pearl Grain stand. He'd, right. um, he'd mentioned it to a few people as
1: well. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Do you want to say a little about the, the stands that you visited? Um, any... News or stories yeah. from uh, going around the, the trade hall? No, we're near enough of them. God, like um, the trade hall
2: itself is one of the largest build, um, largest rooms in the Indianapolis Convention Center. And you, you know, Paul, you've been in it before. Oh, sure, yeah, it's massive. Yeah, they extended it. They opened up one no of the way. They opened up one of the walls on the back end and basically filled the, the adjoining convention um, convention room oh God. that really um it had the best part of 30 aisles this year wow yeah it was
1: huge huge huge, huge. it's like an aircraft hangar last year I and mean, it's uh, and multiplied last. by another one on top of that wow yeah. so so i mean of, of the kind of stalls that would jump to my mind would be like chaosium mm-hmm. um pagan stroke Art, dream pelgrane and so on cubicle seven cubicle seven yeah i think mean, actually
2: um well, the first stand I went to was... Uh, I went. I did the normal um, thing for me now of going on the Thursday and getting into the rugby scrum, a.k.a. thousands of people trying to get through the front door. That's kind of fun. Yeah, fun in a masochistic kind of way.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of pushing, shoving, and just too many people trying to go through that place at any one time. Um, the first place... Were that... you a prop forward or a hooker? Oh. <laughs> 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 that could be taken so out of context. <laughs> I was the one making the path, put it that way. Um, the first place that, because um, it was me and, uh, say, my, my fiance Tiffany, that went around a lot of the trade hall, um, one of the first places we went to go to was to actually get uh, stuff for the wedding. Uh, one of the things that... <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> yeah, you're going yeah.
1: to you're gonna have to explain here, aren't you? <laughs> I think when most people are planning a wedding, this is, this is the strategy they would take, of course. Please uh, Continue. Well, one of the ideas we've got
2: for uh, for the reception is that on each table we'll have um, a different iteration of uh, Munchkin, the card game, and that within the party, uh, within the, like, the wedding favors uh, bag, you get little things like sweets and so on. Um, a friend of mine uh, last year did little toy monkeys and uh, like toy penguins and such. We thought, no, actually, give, have have something practical and also something they can use in the game if they want to play Munchkin. So we went to the Q Workshop stand And brought them out of all of their D10s Of Cthulhu dice <laughs> So nice. just the, they, they had two stands For Q Workshop um, Their satellite one was the one we ran across first and just, and just basically Tipped the whole of the D10 section out And said, there, these please <laughs> So, so we'll,
1: spoilers there if you're coming To Matt's wedding
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 You might have an insight <laughs> on what's coming
1: <laughs> Yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the bits of wedding shopping We did there
0: Cool mm-hmm nice
1: uh... so let me let me uh, direct you then so how about let's let's hit the co stand because that's pretty near the door oh yeah that's, that was good fun man- managed to swing by there
2: pretty much alongside them and Pelgrane those, those were the two stands that I, I visited the most uh-huh. over the course of the convention got to uh, sit back with, uh, with Charlie and relax after um, a good couple of times of lugging far too much stuff around so like, come on, take the weight off your feet man sit down sit down and relax so um, he quite liked one of the pens I lent him uh, one of the pens I got from work that it was like oh this thing writes so so smooth and so nice and that extra couple puts an extra couple of zeros on the end when I charge someone something <laughs> so, with, with a pen from Mercedes it kind of goes all the territory but yeah it was, it was a nice friendly laid
1: back relaxed atmosphere and they had um, uh, some merchandise to, to show off some uh, previews of Orange Express am I right oh yes was how the... was that looking heavy <laughs> there was a picture of um, of me cradling
2: the uh, the box that Charlie took on the first day. Um, They've got a sealed um, proof copy that turned up, so one of the first completed copies of the of the game. Wow! Um, that they put on the desk for anyone that's got the original box set. This thing is three times the size
1: in times in terms of thickness. Wow! So the old one was probably about an inch, an inch, a good inch, I thought. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. So this is like. Yeah, three or four inches
0: thick. Yeah, th- th- those of you listening at home are uh, missing Paul trying to estimate the size with his fingers. Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to visualise the
1: size of the old one. You see, and I'm thinking yeah, it's probably a good inch.
2: It's, it's about an inch for the original one. This this thing is at least three to four inches thick. Wow, it's and it weighs. It's it's solid packed material. And that's there, everything.
1: It? Is it kind of like um, the old format box then? So it's just like a box sleeve with all the separate books. You know Contained within it I'm not sure In that case Because it was It was still shrink wrapped, So we couldn't oh, open Okay, it. Yeah,
0: But
2: yeah. there was no Dead empty space In that no, thing sure. It was solid Packed Wait, material Was wow.
0: there an actual Train in there
2: Oh there, Well there's There's the Cut out from the old one <laughs> <laughs> oh, They had They had a lot of stuff Up there um, Including the um, The Ithaca of um, Well the medallion of Ithaca. Oh the medallion oh, yeah. My medallion Yeah you're <laughs> From the play test Yeah Um one of the things that I regretted not back, um, not getting as an additional on the Kickstarter, but you can, because of the demand they've had for it, you can pre-order it from the Chaosium website now as a, as a regular item because it's produced by um, campaign coins that Mark Morrison's involved with.
0: Ah, right, yeah.
2: Oh, the medallion? Yes. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. It did, I mean, they had one last year. It looked pretty cool. Yeah, they, they had that and a few other bits and pieces on in a glass case. Oh, nice.
1: Anything from 7th edition? Uh, they had
2: printouts of the proof copies of the Investigator Handbook and the Core Rulebook. Right.
0: Yeah, again, meaty tomes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: they were ring-bound, so they weren't like mm. perfect-bound. Yeah. yeah. But even but, so... But yeah.
0: They're not small books. I've just proofed both of those. And the Investigator's Handbook is about 250 pages. <laughs> and the, uh, the Call of Cthulhu Rulebook is about 430. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I spent most of my holiday in Croatia, sat
1: on the bed, reading through them. <laughs> yeah. Going, this looks familiar. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> I, 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 deep, I deeply love both of the books. I think they're terrific books and I do not want to look at them again for a long time.
2: <laughs> oh, the Juliet proof. And talking reading,
0: of yeah. Seventh Head, did you get to the
2: Ennis? No, um, I never get to them. No. Um, there's always something on I want, um, that I want to do or go to. And to be fair, we have you to blame for this, because it was Gatsby and the Great Race that was on Friday Hooray! night. And to be fair, and so Tiff echoes... So we just say what well. that is? Because some people might not know. It was bloody amazing, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, sorry,
1: oh, that. <laughs> no,
2: it, seriously, that's one, one of the best tabletop experiences I've ever had.
1: Excellent. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So I just wish that you'd run it earlier for me, but no, it was really, really, really good fun. It takes quite a bit of organisation. I mean, it's something that um, myself and Mike Mason and the rest of the court keepers ran at several conventions, Continuum and Battlemasters and Tentacles in Germany. We probably ran it about four or five times, with about 30, 24 players in each game, so... Yeah, but, but was it? You were in the first game, Scott. Yeah,
0: I was. That yeah, that was fantastic. But in I was fact, was that f-
1: not one of your first conventions in Britain?
0: you hadn't have not been to many. Yeah, cons, I, then. yeah, it might have been my second or third or something mm. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was just trying to remember if it was the Tentacles one where it was the first time that Rick was one of the the GMs and he was so nervous about it that he threw up ahead of time. <laughs>
2: It was a little stressful. <laughs> I can imagine with the amount of logistics involved in it, but my God, it was worth it.
1: Uh, oh, I'm really pleased that you enjoyed it so much, Matt.
0: I, um, I, got, to, I got to table hop. I was happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My, my my favorite Gatsby story though has got to be was it Continuum uh, when uh, they, you, know, you took one of the guys out of one of the games, took him to the court. well. Mike so, did it, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, it, it makes sense when you say Mike did it, yeah. <laughs> and he was worried that that Mike, you know, they were on the landing outside, and he was worried that Mike was going to push him down the stairs yeah. and blindfolded <laughs> <laughs> because Mike is the kind of person who would do that. Well, he is,
1: he is <laughs> well known for it. That's how he got the job at Curse. <laughs> the, him
0: the, the The first session of Gatsby that I played it, I think it was Continuum. It's yeah, the Continuum. I Battle think it was Battlemasters, Battle Masters, maybe. I think it was yeah, the first but, but, version. But, yeah, was I mean, well,
1: one with Charlie Crank playing? Uh,
0: I don't know if Charlie was one of the players. No, I think he played at... Um, he played at, Battle uh, Masters. at
1: No, he played at Battle Masters, the very first run. The very first run, um, Charlie mm. was a guest at the convention and Mike... Uh, went over and asked him does he want to join in the game and to my amazement he said yes Um, so I didn't know Charlie at all at the time so there we were the cult keepers running this game for like 24 people and Charlie Crank (laughs) the publisher of Call of Cthulhu yeah suddenly that Became even more stressful Baptism <laughs> of fire It still was <laughs>
0: But no that, that still ranks As the best tabletop game I've played at a convention Oh yeah,
2: That's wonderful As yeah, so I seconded It was a lot of fun So um, unlike anything else I'd ever played eh, Bask in the ego glory He's <laughs> <thing. laughs> <laughs> just nodding Gently in the corner yeah, one, one thing that does Come to mind Actually thinking of uh, Just something that Popped straight in there um, While back at the Chaosium stand uh, One of the things I did get to see um, Pedro has been working on the uh, Brazilian, so Portuguese copy of the Call of Cthulhu rulebook.
1: Oh, nice, yeah.
2: Oh. oh, that thing looks good.
0: <laughs> well, does it have different artwork in different Al-
2: Almost entirely. Um, it's based a lot on the 6th edition layout, so the, a lot of the typefaces and the background um, watermarks on the pages are the same, but the artwork is nearly all new. Oh, fantastic. It is really nice. Uh, their Beastry section, the section on gods and uh, monsters and so on, is amazing.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, I'd like to see that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't speak Portuguese, but I may buy the book just because of the artwork, because they say, trust me, it is very, very nice.
1: Yeah, some of the foreign editions are just lovely. I mean, the uh, the Spanish edition um, was, was particularly nice. Um, it came fun. out in a sort of more, like a kind of square format, um, but had some fantastic artwork and some oh. lovely uh, movie posters yes. for the cover of each, mm-hmm. um, sort of mock mo- movie posters, like, you know, the... Um, uh, Escape Twinsmith not Escape Twinsmith uh, The Shadow of Rinsmith there's a sort of chapter heading and you know all the various things I've done like an old period um, mm-hmm. cinema posters
2: Oh, yeah, I remember seeing them um, in fact I think I've seen a copy of the limited edition book because it comes in a large slipcase.
0: yeah it comes in a slipcase, case yeah. Yeah, in a box mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. it
1: yeah, yeah. Again, and then, of course the German mm-hmm. editions and the French edition and so mm-hmm. on yeah all production values
2: on them are really nice
0: mm. But yeah, yeah, it's good that uh, the new Chaosium edition will be living up to that kind of layout now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to getting my hands on that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what, what was going on at the Pelgrim stall? I managed to do a
2: book signing, which was quite nice. Excellent. Um, there were two, um, two books of mine that I'd worked on that had come out for the convention.
1: And so... what are those two books, Matt?
2: Uh, there's Mythos Expeditions, which I was a contributing author to. Um, I um, put in the last scenario in the book, uh, Cerulean Halo. It's about a trip to Clipperton Island. So are those just separate standalone
1: scenarios, just from around the world, or
2: uh, you could, in theory, play as an interlinked campaign um, because they're all set around the campaign framework of the Armitage Inquiry. So it's as the Miskatonic University start learning about the Mythos that it's they start gaining a repository of information about it more so than the Orne Library has already. But so various ways then go out and combat it and so forth. And that each of the expeditions goes off to a place where there is Mythos activity occurring. Um, Some of them are um, low—just I was going to say low-level monsters, but no, no monsters (laughs) low-level in that game. They're they're, they're just level one to three. Yeah, you've got individual monsters in there. I think one of them involves a flying polyp, for example. um, Up to one. I thought you said
1: low level. Well,
2: it's an an individual monster because then another one you've got another one you've got an avatar of shub for example. Okay, (laughs) very (laughs) nice. Yes, and then my one is
1: not kind of somewhere in between the two in terms of. So the monsters kind of will just kill you once rather than kill you twice.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, overkill. It'll
0: only hurt it once. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, that was a, um, a scenario for that that I did quite a while ago. So that was that was a long that was a lot of fun yeah, to that was, see that finally come out. Yeah, yeah I played that. It's good. Yeah. And the other one that was out was uh, Seventh Circle for Fear itself, and also Trail of Cthulhu. It's dual statted for both of them. Um, that doesn't hit uh, retail until October. Um, Mythos Expeditions, as uh, far is out this month. Um, Seventh Circle is on pre-order but they had advanced printing copies there oh nice uh, that was one of the ones that I did a, um, did the book signing for say so, um, a fellow wandered along and tipped it a little um, bit on the stand where she was helping sell up um, say Gumshoe in general so pointing people in the direction of my books which was quite nice
0: um,
2: in which um, she got talking to one of the people and said oh this actually sounds like the kind of thing my wife would like um then put it aside and I signed um signed it. He came back to the stand just as I was leaving, so then got to chat with him for a little while and say make it out to his wife, put a little message in there and hey, got to sign it, It was quite nice. Oh,
0: Excellent. nice. Excellent. Well were, were there any other goodies out there?
2: Yeah, there's there's quite a lot they had out for the convention. They had they had pretty much like they did last year, they had a whole a whole load of books all come out at the same time. Um there was there was a race between whether Ashen Stars and Hillfolk which would sell out first. Yeah, um, I mean, considering folk got a pretty good nod at the endies, yeah. yeah, that yeah, that sold out first. Um, yeah, their, their piles were dwindling all the way through the event. They had they had the best well record year they've had so far. Fantastic! Much cool. the, the Saturday that they had at the event, I think covered pretty much what they made the last year. Wow! So, yeah, it was very 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 good. And um, cubicle seven. Yeah, so I went over to, um, to have a word with Dom and Andrew and a few of the other guys there. Um, That's pretty much after I'd looted the Q Workshop stand, actually, because they were, they were very close together. Um, picked up the Doctor Who limited edition rule book that I've been meaning to pick up for a while. Excellent. Yeah, so i got that, and that was part of my swag that I managed to bring back. Yeah, again, they had similar things. They sold out of various books before. I think they were saying 47 empty boxes that they didn't have to bring back. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. They say the, the convention hall was packed. That they had so much that they were they were moving all the time.
0: Yeah, because they they had a bunch of uh, Dot Who and um, uh, uh, the One Ring. Uh, yeah, stuff they had a lot uh, come out just before Gen con, mm-hmm. didn't they?
2: Yeah, Paul, Paul Don looks, he was sweltering a bit in the costume he because he was wearing a longer cape for One Ring style costuming and so <laughs> on. So, <yeah. laughs>
0: And and were they uh, promoting the the new Lone Wolf Kickstarter as well?
2: Yep, there, there was a little flyer that went in virtually every book that they sold, which was advertising the um, advertising the Kickstarter.
1: Which I've missed this, guys. What's this?
0: OK, you, you know Joe Diva's uh, yeah, yeah. Lone wolf, The Lone Wolf uh, yeah. series. But, yeah, it's kind of like Fighting Fantasy. Yeah, but there, yeah. They, there was a tabletop role-playing game that came out of it a little while back. And it's basically been revised, revamped, lots of new artwork, uh, new material. And uh, Cubicle 7 are putting this out now, and there's a Kickstarter going on at the moment. Oh, OK. It seemed to have its third or fourth stretch goal at the moment, and it's about halfway through. Right. So it's doing pretty damn well. Mm. Nice one.
1: And any uh, news from the Pagan Art Dream stand about uh, new uh, Del Green, maybe or anything? I missed them entirely. Oh. I, I,
2: I was going to swing by and try to say hello to um, to Adam as I've done every other year, but I just didn't have time to go by. Oh, um, that's a shame. Yeah, that, a shame. They, they were a little bit out of the way from um, everywhere else that was on my kind of plan of my plan of
1: attack across the convention center,
2: so I, I never got to swing
1: by. Oh, that's a shame. Because mm-hmm. um, I did get to have a go at the play test of the new delta green game at continuum mm-hmm. um one of the guys there was running a, a play test game and uh yeah that was pretty good fun mm. uh, some interesting ideas um and also they've got their um i'm not sure what they're calling them uh like the firing range targets of deep ones and so on have you seen these no oh right well um not really something that is going to have such a big market in the uk of course Oh, well, you could use nerf
0: pistols with them well, well i
1: guess <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know the, the kind of silhouette um, firing range targets. Uh, so they've done ones for, I think, deep ones. Um, I can't remember the God, other God, other God, kind God, of mythos monsters. Him. Yeah, maybe Mego and, and so on. 12 and they're Adrian. selling them selling them in packs of ten, I think. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd just like to buy one or two, like maybe just stick on the and bath, bathroom door or something. But, yeah,
0: uh, flick rubber bands at them while you're. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's only past the time. It's yeah. such a great idea.
2: No, I, d- I, d- I didn't see anything of their stand, so missed them entirely.
0: So, what other stalls did you get to look at that had interesting and, like, well, considering the nature of our podcast, say, let's start with mythos related stuff, but then move on from there? No,
2: the, the, one, that, uh, the one that instantly leapt to mind is one that I always put on my list of places I want to visit to see if there's any uh, gems that they had hiding away there uh-huh. Cthulhuana Corner. Ah, ah. Um, this is one that I say always go to, and boy, they have a lot of stuff that I would like there. But unfortunately, because I had a lot of weight limit already taken up in my suitcase, I couldn't bring bring away the two things that I really wanted to bring back. So next so year, so tell us about what them anyway.
0: Well, what were the ones that got away?
2: Uh, the two busts of Lovecraft, one made of marble and the other one made of um, what was looked to be resin. Nice. Yeah, they've they've been advertised on the HPLHS um, Lives right. site, so I've seen them and gone. Amazing. Import duty would be horrendous. Shipping even more so. But I can put it in a weight li- in the suitcase because American Airlines don't have weight li- um, weight limits on their hand luggage. Boy, was I thankful of that this time round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so how big are these busts?
2: Uh, they're about actually about the same size as the mic. So that's, be about... that's
0: not helping. Yeah. At home. <laughs>
2: it's about twelve <laughs> to fourteen inches. Yeah, somewhere in that region. Okay. <laughs> that's a good size. And yeah. very heavy too.
1: Mm, nice,
2: yes. but yeah, so they're very, very nice looking. They had a few others as well. They had like a Brown Jenkins statue there as well. Um, a few others that I think probably may have come from Cryptocurium at some point. But they they don't have any of their own individual product. But they just sell everything
1: and anything with a Lovecraft or Cthulhu angle on it. I think I talked to the guys last year about some of their merchandise. and They were saying that sometimes they just get somebody turn up with a bunch of like uh, models or something and say, you know, do you want to sell these? They take 20 of them and then they never see the guy again. So it's just, you know, it can be really limited edition things mm-hmm. that you might never find anywhere else. Yeah, so they're very very helpful Friendly guys over there
2: They have a little um, mantra That when everyone hands them exact change That they'll yell out exact change And everyone around the store kind of goes Woohoo! Yes,
0: I Yeah, recall that Nice
2: yeah, if, if you don't know where it is You can just, you just wait for a little while And then you hear the woohoo And then you Ah, oh, they're, they're over there <laughs> but, uh, They're normally on the front row About um, a little way down from the calcium stand so about another the length again of the of the trade hall yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, so who else did you get to catch up with?
2: Uh, there's I can never remember the name of the stall. Um, I keep meaning to look it up every year, but I mainly go looking because they're usually in the same pl- uh, the same place. Um, but they have a huge clearance of old RPG books. Yeah. Um, I mean a huge not, not selection. A
0: Noble Knight Or anyone like that Is it
2: No uh, Troll and Toad, uh, Toad Do have a stand Of their own uh, Noble yeah. Knight As far as I'm aware Don't have a stand there But and some of that stuff
1: Goes for pretty reasonable Prices as well Ridiculously cheap prices Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean like easy, um, One side is at least 50% off all the marked price And these are new books In a lot of cases These, oh, wow. okay. these, These are out of print books That are clearance From a lot of old Game stores Huh um, so you wander over there and you can walk away with some really good bargains. Like I came back with a limited edition copy of Mage: The Ascension one time for about twenty twenty bucks. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's, seriously, you can get some good, really good bargains on there. Um, one side is RPG product, and the other side's CCGs. It's where I picked up um, two boxes of Inferno. I oh know three boxes of the Inferno expansion for Cults a couple of years oh, back. Yes,
0: yeah. I remember you saying? Mm. Yeah.
2: So i got, um, got them. But yeah, i found little gems all the way through. So I always wander over there to have a look to um, see their stand.
0: Uh,
2: I went over to the Games Workshop stand as well, mainly the request of a friend, because I tend to be the international mule in these instances, going over looking... The Games
0: Mule. Yeah. <laughs> going back through customs with the condom filled with space marines up your arse.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just don't ask me to sit down too uh, too quick. Uh, in, this, in this case, the friend of mine wanted orcs, and they didn't have any, so I didn't have to worry about the condom. So I managed, I managed to avoid that pain. Um, yes, I went there. Where else did I go?
1: So um what about any um you know, personalities, people and so on that you met from maybe from other podcasts or did you meet them Mr. Columbia University guys? No. Nope. Um, no. no didn't see oh, them
2: for they were, fuck's
0: sake Matt. they were
2: like ghosts you didn't, never saw them Mike apparently saw them and they got together at yeah. some point but I, I never saw them
0: I, I was chatting with Murph on, on Instant Messenger while he was there so I spoke to him more than you did yeah I, I don't even know what the guy looks like still well <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't miss Murph He's... well he did <laughs> yeah I did <laughs> like, very easily did
1: well, I guess you yeah. have the advantage that you were, you, you were linked via the internet, yeah. Scott, whereas Matt was just there with 56,000 other people. That, that's no,
0: excuse. All, that's, all, that's no excuse, all trying to use right. the net
2: at the same goddamn time. Um, so that place just the, would not connect via wireless via my phone at all. Really? And yeah, there was just too much activity going on in the area that you had to step outside the convention block before you even got a signal.
1: Okay, well, the topic that I think everybody's been waiting to hear about. Matt aside from the games and the attendance figures and the personalities and the stalls and the Ennis and the Orient Express proof editions is how was the food?
2: I will fucking murder you (laughs) 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 oh god
1: Um, did you get to visit St Elmo? yes yes I did
0: oh so, so tell us about the shrimp cocktail, Matt. So this is the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the famous
1: steakhouse in in, in Indianapolis, St Elmo's. <sighs>
0: well,
1: tell us. I thought I, I know I know Tiff liked steak, so I thought it was a, it was actually
2: her birthday for the Wednesday. So this is by ran say ran the off the books game for her and a few others in the evening, but thought well we, we arrive at, we arrive in town at about midday, so that gives us a little bit of time to cut, collect badges and such. Well, by which the will call line this year, like a military precision, I got through in five ten minutes. Really
1: seriously, and that was midday. So even that was something I was going to ask earlier. Actually, when you were talking about when we were talking about the slight digression there. we were talking about the, the figures and how it was sort of uh, bursting mm-hmm. at the seams because in previous years the staffing does seem to be very well managed mm-hmm. so it was this year as well it was when we went right <laughs> um it was a like military precision
2: going through it was in and out and done yeah um, without any issues whatsoever got busier later though the queue went out the other side of the convention centre so it was easily <laughs> half a mile long <laughs> and going up to three quarters of a mile long right at points um yeah <laughs> yeah Scott's nodding away in horror um yeah, that was pretty much a constant throughout all of Thursday and Friday. Good God. Yeah, there was a lot of people going through Wilco. We cool. So the, we, we went in and out, so we had some time on our hands. Cool. And I booked a table at St. Elmo's. This is like a birthday present for, uh, for Tiff for four o'clock. But yeah, I'd give ourselves like two and a half, three hours to sit down, have dinner, and then run, uh, run back to the hotel and then, um, then run the game there in the evening. And, of course, I've mentioned this to paul, and he he sends me an email that says, "By the way, you've got to try the shrimp cocktail." We'd already had this discussion about um having the the prime um the the thing that's not on the menu um the eighteen ounce sirloin piece of heaven on a plate that was oh, 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 so so good yeah. <laughs> that that bit was wonderful but but my God man, that sh- that that, that was weaponised food. Oh, um, Tip has been delighting in trying to find a hot sauce that will that will kill me.
1: Um, and very, you are a man that will take some hot sauce. When you yeah. we went to that place in Milton Keynes, they kind of warned you about the, the hot sauce and you said, no, it's fine. <laughs> and it was for you. Yeah. There was one place in Raleigh in North
2: Carolina where we were staying for about a week beforehand where I had to sign a legal waiver... <laughs> To say that you you will not, basically, you will not be a dick with this hot sauce. You will not, you will not come crying to us when you are hurt by this product. And that if you use, if you use it on someone else as a practical joke, we are not liable. You are, you're a dick. Um, And I had that. That that started off as I had a little piece that was the size of my thumb, and dipped it in this thing, thinking, oh, this isn't too bad because the the hottest of their available sources that was on mainstream um, public release. Wasn't really what I'd call hot. So Tiff, in her normal uh, quest for ever seeing pain, uh, went out back and said, Look, have you got something hotter? And said, Yeah, there's one thing we've got that we have, this is the level before we start putting extracts like eyedropper level spice into this thing. And I, of course, I dumped it straight in there, I just golloped it down and thought, Oh, ah, yeah, this, this is a bit weird. This tastes more like a barbecue sauce. It's quite sweet. This is quite nice, actually. But where's the spice? Oh yeah, there it is. And it keeps coming. Oh, this is interesting. It's growing. Oh wow. And growing. (laughs) And growing. And growing. Over about 10 or 15 minutes. Cut forward to in the car on the way home with ice blocks in my mouth. Going, give me more milkshake. (laughs)
0: Give me something.
2: (laughs) Um, That was nothing in comparison to the (laughs) napalm in a bowl that was the shrimp cocktail. Um, the best way that I think I described it was I suddenly empathised with how I can understand what a cenobite feels yeah, glorious glorious pain it felt like my eyes were bleeding my nose was bleeding that, my, um, that it was whenever I breathed through my nose it was just a series oh, of razor oh, blades fair. going straight through it
1: Yeah, and the, my mouth was on fire and... did you find you just kind of dropped your head forward and shut your eyes and hoped it was going to go away yes and there's video to prove
0: this <laughs> but it didn't go away. Well, this, is, this is horseradish,
2: though, isn't it? Oh, weaponized horseradish. <laughs> yeah.
0: but that's the thing. I mean, if you're very, very used to the way that chilli works, mm. what makes horseradish hot is a completely different chemical. Mm. So you may have become completely inured to mm. capsicum so that you know, chilli doesn't bother you so much, mm-hmm. but that's not what hurts in horseradish. No, it's not. <laughs> it really isn't.
2: But, my God, it was so good. So the glorious pain... But yeah, I, I defeated it. I emptied the bowl, and I have video proof to confirm I emptied that goddamn bowl. Well, you did very well, sir. Yeah, plus, then so wedge salad on the top of that helped to kill some of the pain. The soup, and then of course the steak. Oh.
1: They do a pretty good dessert as well. Oh yeah, we got, um,
2: we got a fr- um, birthday girl got free dessert. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, dear listener. If you do plan on going, this place isn't cheap. Be warned. No. No, it's a ve- it's worth every penny. I mean, it was a two hundred dollar uh, meal between both of us, and it was worth every penny. Oh, blimey! And I so say Tiff was laughing her ass off through it because it was
1: <laughs> pain. Did she have the shrimp starter?
2: No, she just watched me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a no, very very nice place. The- there and for good chow, um, the Brazilian steakhouse that we've been to before. Yeah. Say two two of the best restaurants on earth that I've ever been to. Say amazing, amazing places. I'd second that. I also found uh, slightly digressing from food, more um, well, drinks in this territory. de oh. um, Chow they do an amazing caipirinha. Um Say it's the national drink of Brazil. So um, a whole lime muddled in the bottom of a glass with some sugar over ice, and then cachaca filling the glass up. Wonderful, wonderful drink. They do a strawberry version there as well that I hadn't come across. Oh boy, that is going on my cocktail menu for the,
1: uh, for the future conventions now. Sure. <laughs> and that is quite a big menu already. Oh yeah, yeah it's a sign of A4 already.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I don't know if this has been mentioned on the podcast before, but Matt turns up to UK conventions with a fridge uh, in the back of his car.
1: And we don't mean a little fridge like you get in a hotel.
0: No, this, this is a proper full-sized fridge that he travels around with. With a freezer unit. So, so, so that he can keep all his ingredients for his cocktail mixes uh, nice and cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're usually between eight and ten wine
2: carriers for the different spirits, plus mixers, plus glasses, and all the equipment. So. Stomach yeah. pumps. Well, oh, no, that's their own fault. You'll be Indicom, won't you, Matt? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'll be signing up, <laughs> up some of your games. Yes. <laughs> oh. Which uh, we do have one uh, one visitor turning up from uh, the US convention circuit for Indicom this year. Oh yes, um, Steve Ellis described uh, described him as the American you, Scott. Um,
0: In a good way or bad way? In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, Todd, how's that possible? <laughs> uh, Todd, Todd Fuller is a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, I didn't get to play any games that he ran this year Because I was doing stuff in the evenings all the time And his games sell out remarkably quickly um, A bit like the Between his um, his Unknown Armies games that he run each year
0: Oh um, uh, yeah I've, Sorry I have heard of him running yeah, Unknown Armies Yes There you go
2: Yeah yeah, yeah um, His games and like my uh, Cthulhu game that I ran on the Saturday morning sold out in about two or three minutes from when the sign in block opened on the, f- um, on the first day of the registration going live. Um, his games are very, 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 very popular and with good reason. Cool. Uh, he's turning up to IndieCon this year.
0: Excellent. i would have to see whether I can get in one of his UA games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Well, let's not tell anyone else about that and make no. sure we get in. Yeah, I'll definitely... Todd, if you're listening... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and, and anyone else, if you've heard this, you know, try to forget about it before IndieCon so we get a chance to sign up.
2: Hey, uh, don't, don't even think about it. Our name's going to be on the sheets. But...
1: <laughs> and how big was your suitcase on the way home, Matt? Uh, which one? I had to buy another suitcase. How suit- many suitcase... <laughs> you had to buy another suitcase? Yeah. Um,
2: oh, my God. <laughs> I, I brought a whole, well, half of a new set of luggage over there. Um, <laughs> I brought. I went over with one main bag that I checked into the um, checked into the hold, right, uh, with all my stuff that I brought over. The second bag, admittedly, was bringing a lot of Tiff stuff back over because uh, the plan being when the visa goes through that she'll be then be moving over to uh, to live here with so with the wedding coming up in January and so sure. forth. Um, so a lot of her stuff was in the second. Well, that was bag. two cases now. Yeah, um, part of what was in the second case was one of the main items that I did go to this um, convention to get, which. We couldn't find the damn stand for them, so it was actually again back to another shout out for Matt. Um, he went into the um, the local game store where he say he works, and then uh, managed to get us the bigger, blacker box.
0: Cards Against Humanity. Oh
2: yes, <laughs> along with the Christmas expansions for 2012, 2013 and the nineties expansion.
1: And oh, did you go buy the Cards Against Humanity stand? No, that's what I said. We couldn't find it well last year I, I found it I, don't, I think it wasn't that late into the con and it just said sold out mm-hmm. just a blank stand yeah there's there's
2: not all that much now that I haven't got for Cards Against Humanity right so the, I've forgotten the, about that game entirely yeah I, I oh. haven't forgotten about you trying to read out I've got 99 problems for getting my dick stuck in a Chinese finger trap with another dick ain't one of them that was another one that had <laughs> you fall, falling on the floor
0: <laughs> that was an awesome one yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we I love we, that game. We need to get drunk and play that again.
2: <laughs> oh, hell yes, we really do. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There's a slot done straight there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I will bring the box with me. Yeah,
0: yeah. We, we we need to get Matt Nixon in that game.
2: Oh, there we go. There we come back to the apartment. It would take much encouragement. Right. No, but um, back on the topic of cases. Um, the main saving grace for me is, as mentioned, that American Airlines, uh, dear traveller, if you're going out there, this isn't a plug so much for advertising their services. They're, they're a great airline, but the main thing is the no weight limit on the hand luggage, and that you can also take a personal item which has no weight limit on the personal item. Yeah?
0: Um,
2: that as got, long as
0: you're, you're giving a thumbs up to a microphone, Matt. Oh, hey, <laughs> it's, got <laughs> red, it's got a red light. So looking you, at can have there. A, you
1: can have a. a, a um, a hand piece of hand luggage and a personal. What is a personal item like a PC or something? Just um, any anything you can hold in the other hand. It's a lap. Um,
2: the definition of it would be things like a laptop bag, for example. Okay. As long as it is smaller than your hand luggage. Okay.
0: So, so the secret is to have some very large hand luggage. Yes. Well, there's size
2: <laughs> restrictions on hand luggage, but not weight restrictions, um, right? There are size restrictions if you bother putting them in the size. Uh, checker but anyway we'll skip over that bit um, okay. the main thing there is there was a little bit of um, forcing it to get in the overhead compartment um, as long as you can lift it over your head and put it, in the way, um, put it in there this is what I count as my exercise for the day <laughs> power lifting yeah putting that thing in the, um, in the, back, um, in the overhead a snatch and lift yeah. I, had to, I had to pull a couple of books out the front and then sit with it as my reading material on my lap while we took off but I did get it in there and that, that carried back all my book haul from the event and then the laptop bag that we took out there had a couple more books in there and my other reference material um, pens um, stationery and a couple of the smaller bits and some of the sweets that I brought back one of my, my other duties for the the work colleagues is to bring back lots of American candy and I have lots of e-numbers bouncing around the office for a week or two
0: you, you, you love your colleagues enough to bring them back Hershey's bars? No, I didn't subject them to Hershey's just lots of jolly ranches
2: lots and lots and lots of jolly ranches ah, okay <laughs> I've never had the pleasure Oh gorgeous things Turn your tongue blue Or do other different colours
0: (laughs) (laughs) I find auto erotic asphyxiation Doesn't it
1: Moving on (laughs) Oh please moving on (laughs) So you had a good time at Gen Con Matt Oh yes very much so And we have plans for next year as well What are your plans for
2: next year Oh. Uh, we've been invited out by Charlie to spend a couple of days out in San Francisco beforehand um, because 7th Ed will be out by next year we're um, going to be doing a little bit of a stint on the stand say advertising the game say meet, meeting, the, uh, meeting the public doing some demos and so forth um, nice. um, if, if you two are over there as well then that would be a good, um, good thing to split across the few days
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'd very yeah, much yeah, like to make great. it over next year and yeah I'd be very very, very happy to do some work on booths. Yeah,
2: And if we do another podcast episode, Cough Cough Gen Con, another podcast episode, then we can potentially get the press pass over there as well. Okay. Mm. So well, Gen an- Con 2015, here we come.
1: Yeah. Only got another 12 months to prepare, got to get cracking. <laughs> and you do have to get cracking with this thing, because they oh, so yeah. good leaving it till, you know, next summer.
2: Yeah, the main, the next thing immediately on list is, is that as soon as nine months... Before the convention roll around, I'm going to start looking for accommodation outside of their um, system because it's the only way I'm going to get anything again. Okay, but yeah, you'd have to go direct and you have to get quick off the mark because don't go for their system that they had. Like this year, it was painful to say the least.
1: So, if you had to pick a highlight,
2: uh, the whole thing really—it's cool. just—it's one massive unique events there's just so many different parts of it that it's it's just the one the whole thing the whole experience is just mind-blowing so for, for a gamer it is it is mecca it is the one place that every gamer should go once in their life as a pilgrimage
1: well thanks very much matt yes for your thank insight you. into uh, your visit to gencom 2014 mm-hmm. no problem at all so that wraps us up you can find us at Blasphemoustones.com and all the usual social media which you can find on that website. So it's goodbye from me, cheerio from me. Uh, from me, and farewell from me.
0: And you in the you